You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. introduce myself for those who don't know me. I'm learning. I'm joined with Jessica and Steven. I'm tired. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) We all might be a little slap happy from lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. So we are finishing up Artemis by Andy Weir. It is the final section. So I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a struggle tonight, mostly because we immediately got off last week and I finished reading the book because <gasps> it had taken all of my effort not to keep reading it before the podcast. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I finished it that night. <laughs> wow. I, I have so many questions for this particular stretch of book that we had and you. Okay. Certainly. Certainly. Mm-hmm. You've said in the past that the technical sections, you're like, okay, no, yeah, and they did the thing, and they did the thing, and that's all I needed? Okay, skip forward. Yeah. There's a lot of skip forward in this. There is. There's a, there's a fair amount of skip forward. The only thing holding me from skipping forward big chunks was the interpersonal relationships at play. Okay. Deserved and undeserved. 50-50? That's fair. Yeah. I think they're good. By the time you get to the end, they're overplayed. Mm. Yeah. I guess I don't want to dive in too far, but did anyone else think from the way that her dad was talking that he was setting him up to get killed? Yes. (laughs) Like, that's all I thought was going to happen. He was going to die. Yeah. Like he was saying, like his nice things, like I've always believed in you. Like you did a good job. I also really hate that she ends up with the Hungarian. Yeah. Yeah. It bothers I, me. It bothers me. It wasn't. It didn't make sense. Except. Okay. Like, like you kind of got that he might have had feelings for her, but like none of it reciprocated. It seemed at all. And then just to do it, like, in the last, not even the last third, because... It was, like, the like, last... The last like, yeah. You're like, oh, she is kind of attracted to him. Oh, okay. Like, And to me, it was the destruction of... Because you don't see it very often where you have male and female characters truly just in a friendship. Yeah. And I'm like, good, this one has not only just one, but two. Mm-hmm. Two Including one with somebody who is also attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Because you can kind of write off Dale because, like, eh, he's gay. Like, yeah. that we see all the time. But, like, to have male-female friendship between both of whom who are heterosexual, you don't see. And, like, and now you've ruined it. Because now you've added the romantic component to it. And that's just yeah. not fair, A. And not B. Needed. I hate the power dynamic of the super experienced dater and the 
very under-experienced dater. And like, yeah, yeah, we'll match up and I'll teach you the ways. Like, I hate it when it's the male who's really experienced and the nerdy female and vice versa. I just, I'm like, that's not typical. And stop trying to make it typical. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's an odd one. I mean, as far as the, like, one person who didn't date, one person who dated a whole lot, I, I speak from one of those relationships. <laughs> so, like, I can't, I can't do anything for that one. Um, but, like, it, there's a lot in here that's very forced. And it, it feels like a lot of the character interactions are relying on, I don't know, like, old media portrayal of people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I guess I'm not thinking so much as, like, dating versus not dating, but, like, very sexually free mm. versus very sexually inexperienced. I got that one. Yeah, neither of us is sexually free. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, because you don't, you don't have somebody who just, you know, oh, I'll sleep with anybody, anybody, anything that walks, and somebody who's like, well, I don't sleep with people. Like, mm-hmm. those... Sex drives don't tend to work. So a pansexual yeah. can't date an asexual. <laughs> it it would take a lot. It would take a- someone out there. Yeah. We're not accosting. We're not accosting your relationship out there. If this is you, no, no, no. Yeah, we respect I, the hurdles that you have conquered. I would say it's not necessarily that it doesn't exist. It it does exist, and there are relationships that can work that way because people do mature or they you know, they don't change for people, but sometimes you do change for people. Mm. Like if you really love them, like, but it's, it's more that it's really overplayed, at least in like romance in general books. It's highly overplayed and romance geared towards women. Now that shades gray is like that. Twilight is basically like that. Like just, there's so, there's so much of it. And it's usually where the male is the most experienced, but like there is this wave of just like, immortal men with these <laughs> these immature young girls <laughs> just it's yeah. just a wave and it's just a trope that it, it's kind of like we're done with it even when it's flip-flopped even when it's the girl that's more sexually mature than the guy it's yeah I, there's there's a lot to like in this book i want to be clear yes however the character and in, the intercharacter relationships are not one of those things no yeah. No, and Jessica, thank you for making my point much clearer for me. Because I, that is, yes, that is what I was yeah. trying to get at. Is it, it's <laughs> so overplayed and it drives me crazy. Yes. Like, I think the last, like, four books I've read have been actually kind of along that. Like, especially in the young adult issue, too. And it's like, that's, no, that's not necessarily how a healthy relationship starts, though, is to have somebody that's so experienced wanting somebody that has zero experience. Like, that's not, not the best yeah example of how real relationships work but i should i should ask do we have a cocktail today okay so i (laughs) jessica found me an offer i couldn't refuse so i ended up with a martini glass a single martini glass that's all you needed that is all you needed um except and so this was very particular because Jessica's like, no, it won't look right if you if you do my cocktail in a different in a different glass. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Except then I apparently didn't read the 
instructions for the cocktail correctly. So I still screwed it up. So it's fine. Did you not read them correctly? Or did you just never read them and just looked at the ingredients? I never read them because I thought all she sent me were the ingredients because who sends the ingredients after the directions? Like I don't, I don't think I intentionally did that. I think it just sent that way. Like Because I think I sent them like one right after the other. And <laughs> I don't is this a snowball martini? No, no, this is what it's supposed to look like. Let me see if I can get the glare off. That's 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 a solid. That's not a drink. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's it's a so it's a solid hunk of basically a perfect like one to one ratio of coconut cream and ice, and that's how you make the moon. And then you literally just pour pretty much cold vodka, just an ounce of cold vodka. And you plop the moon in, and then it calls for blackberries, but I, I did blueberries as a garnish. Oh, and there's some sugar there. So um, it's just straight vodka with like <laughs> coconut cream in do, it. Do you, are you meant to like consume the coconut I mean, cream yeah. in that part? Okay. Yeah, it eventually yeah. will melt. Yeah, it'll eventually will melt. It's very like, it kind of feels like soft served ice cream right now. It's like a kind of harder version of soft serve ice cream. And it's so. called a full moon martini. Yes. Now, what I did, <laughs> just the instructions and a for, for the, for the <laughs> audio <laughs> listeners, there, there's. Go ahead. It, um, Elizabeth, I want you to d- describe what Jess's looks like and then describe what yours looks like for the people who are just listening. Okay. So Jessica's looks like a solid orb. With this tiny bit of liquid rimming the bottom of the glass, just kind of like the orb is set in almost a fog. Mine looks <laughs> like I'm drinking milk out of a martini glass with an ice cube in it. It's <laughs> perfect description, concise to the point. <laughs> so, what oh, I did, listeners, was I made a spherical ice cube, just a straight spherical ice cube. And then to make the drink, I combined a half a cup of coconut cream and half a cup of water and one ounce of vodka. At the <laughs> same time? Proportions. And I didn't have berries, so I didn't garnish with any berries. I think yours sounds like the more drinkable one. <laughs> it's kind of. There's only one problem. <laughs> I don't actually like coconut. Like. <gasps> Hey, I I, I, I want to go ahead and tell me that I could have figured out some way to do this. <laughs> I want to shout out another podcast on the Geekly Media Network right now. Uh, apparently, according to Daniel from uh, Imagine Imagine If is the one that he does with him, right? Or uh, I think it's yeah. the one. No, the Daniel and Mitch. It's um, oh the te- televised heroics. Yeah, yeah, televised heroics. The most recent episode as of recording. Um, I they they are talking about I think it's the boys season two episode three is the one that they yeah. just talked about. In there, Daniel says that he, mounds are the better can are the are the worst candy between mounds and almond joy. And the reason that he said for this was that almond joy like Mitch Mitch tried to poke at this to figure out why. Uh, Mitch is like, oh, is it because of the almond? Does that make it that much better? And he goes, no, because in mounds, like um, mounds, they they have all that coconut in them. <laughs> and Mitch, Mitch, Mitch 
tried to delve further in this and find out what exactly he meant. Because for anyone who doesn't know for some reason, they're the same candy. One one has dark chocolate on the outside and no almond. The other one has the like milk chocolate and an almond. And then Daniel said, I guess I just can't taste the coconut in an almond joy. How? That's why I don't eat either. I'm entirely at a loss. So go ahead and tweet at Daniel Barroso on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know what his Twitter handle is. But find him and tell him your feelings. <laughs> anyway. You can also just tweet at Geek Elite Media and we'll, we'll make sure Daniel gets it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back, back to the show. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't actually like coconut. So I now I have more coconut flavor than is intended. I was also trying to figure out how this was all supposed to fit in a martini glass because it does not. Um, you showed, before we started recording, she showed me her glass and I was like, wow, did your ice melt that much? I was like, what happened? And I'm like, no, it's still in there. There's just a lot of liquid. <laughs> Why is there so much liquid? <laughs> I, I like this though. You know, not, both of your guys' drinks are valid drinks, <laughs> and no one should try to talk negatively about them. They're your drinks. You you really should do this cocktail the right way. It looks far more appetizing. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to drink this without the. And you might actually consume alcohol because, I mean, at this point, I have maybe a third of an ounce of alcohol in this entire glass. Did it float to the... No, you know, no. <laughs> I only have about a third of the whole amount of liquid that I mm. created. I see, yeah. I see. Therefore, I probably only have about a third of the full one ounce of vodka. Yeah, so yeah. Your, your, the, your martini glass today, your, your cocktail, is like getting a shake at a diner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have, like, the extra on the side. I do. I have the extra in the tumbler downstairs. <laughs> so the, the in in this book did did you guys think this was where the book was going to end or did you think that there would be something more in the plot i yeah. i think i expected better success okay i didn't think I there was something to go wrong I did not expect it to go wrong like this, and I did not expect the resolution to cost so much. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everything. Yeah. I. Um, so for anyone who for some reason is watching this podcast while having not read the book, um, at the end of the book, um, she goes to try to basically mop up and finish off this refinery place to mm -hmm. make good on her contract with T-Dog. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't go great. <laughs> you wanna, let's walk through the last third. Let's walk through the last third. Okay. Uh, okay. Where we where we left off is she has approached Lena, T Dog's yep. daughter, and basically said, "We need to finish the job because the Brazilians cannot keep the refinery. Mm -hmm. We we have to get rid of the smelter. You have to take over." That's the only option to save Artemis because yeah. otherwise the Brazilians will come and it, we will just become an organized syndicate location. So we open 
We but we don't have her plan. So we open with Billy, the owner of Hartnell's, the bar, mm-hmm. closing the bar so that Jazz can host her meeting. Yep. And we slowly get introduced to who all is taking part. So the first to show up is Dale, who is her ex-best friend. (laughs) An ex-best friend because he stole her boyfriend away. But also, importantly, an EVA master. A very skilled one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then her father shows up. Then Lena, and finally the Hungarian. What's wrong, Jessica? Okay. <laughs> no, there's just there's no way to drink this without your nose, like just taking a chunk out of the mood. <laughs> oh, there, there is, there is. If you royally mess it up and <laughs> create a much smaller mood compared to drink, <laughs> it is a very adorable party drink. <laughs> not, not a drink. I would choose to drink on film. <laughs> it was like, oops, my nose. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the Svoboda. Svoboda. I, I, okay, I'm going to try. Because he's mad. Or you, he's, he's actually a really cool character. They, they say, they, they call him Svobo. If that helps. Svobo. Yeah. Svoboda. Not much. But okay. Yeah, I agree. It's anyway. So, she then walks them through or no and then finally is it bob lewis bob lewis who manages the port and is also an eva master mm-hmm. and an ex-marine and an ex-marine it was said multiple times yeah <laughs> you know it's important <laughs> so, basically walks them she basically starts with forcing them to agree to work with her, playing on various pressure points. Mm-hmm. Bob's being an ex-Marine. He, you know, she talks about forgotten country. <laughs> Dale basically makes an agreement like, okay, if I do this for you, slate's clean. Like you, you no longer get to be, you no longer get to hold the fact that I stole your boyfriend over your, my head. Like you just slates clean. Lena's on board. Cause she's good to go. And dad, she obviously uses the pressure point of being daughter. And Svoboda. Svoboda just wants to do it because science. And, yeah. <laughs> and jazz and jazz. Yeah. <laughs> you did you did actual jazz hands when you said it that time, so now I'm confused. It could also be jazz. There's jazz in space. We all know this. <laughs> um. So we don't get a detailed description of exactly what's going to happen until it does happen, which is pretty, seems pretty standard for this author. Yeah. You you do get a good foreshadowing of, oh, well, in that building near the smelter, there is this chemical, this chemical, and this chemical. 
oh well is that bad no it should be fine <laughs> yeah oh, there, there's, there's a note in the margin that's bad <laughs> <laughs> well and Svoboda Svoboda was like um I don't like this this really concerns me I don't know why but <laughs> I don't know why but it really bothers me and I'm like maybe somebody should listen to the actual scientist like yeah. the who's actually qualified to know what's going on it's like, okay for scientists to forget the chemical formulas like it happens we can't memorize all of them like just like when they're like something's wrong just pay attention and try to figure out why something is wrong <laughs> yeah exactly um so the first step is bob donates his air shelter uh, to be used as a tunnel. To be used as part of the tunnel. And there needs to be a cut and additional weld attached to it, mm-hmm. which Jazz has her dad do, as he's the best. And it takes him six times as long to do it, which she writes to, now you know how much my dad cares about me, six times as much as any mm-hmm. other job. So yep, sounds about right for dads that actually do love their daughters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this this tracks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from there, Svoboda and her dad will be watching via cameras. Bob Lewis will be at the port, keeping their return entrance intact. Mm-hmm. Dale and Jazz. Get on, borrow Bob's, what I picture is a four-wheeler. Uh, a rover, yeah, yeah a lunar rover. It's a lunar rover, yeah. It's a rover, it's a, it's a spoofed up four-wheeler, so it's a rover. <laughs> uh, with all the bells and whistles. NASA, NASA, you just made a spoofed up four-wheeler, that's all you did. <laughs> now, now, I'm going to have NASA scientists on my door being like, what? Come on, man. You want to pick a fight? Let's go. Let's go. No. Honestly, you can, you can, there's a better one for this. They spent so much money trying to make a pen that worked in space. And then someone just went pencil. Well, except fire hazard. Yeah, no, gra- gra- graphite, fire graphite hazard. bad. Graphite bad. But if yeah. you just like harden it, great. <laughs> but like, they, it was just like pencil. <laughs> well, no, except that was the problem. So the Russians did use pencils, but they had fire. They actually ended up because of the graphite which Mm -hmm. is why we have the special pen yeah because like it's just it doesn't take a lot because everything is i mean it kind of sort of talks about it in artemis because everything is pretty much artificial oxygen that's pretty much Mm -hmm. like a perfect ratio of oxygen fire can happen like that like it's just you don't want anything with any sort of fire hazard at all and graphite is that good and it's so small too when it comes apart that you don't even notice that it's getting in stuff that's hot and then it sparks. So, I'm sorry, NASA was right. They needed to work their ass off making that happen. <laughs> what would NASA do? Because <laughs> they lost a lot of money when... What NASA would do would be listen to the scientists yeah. and not go blow up a smelter that had additional chemicals that they hadn't worked out what, what would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or they'd send monkeys to do it. One or the other. Either one. Either yeah. one. In any case. So, Mm -hmm. Jazz and Dale 
cruising on the rover over to the smelter. <laughs> and they're timing it just as the shift change, which we learn mm-hmm. later why. Yeah. But they've timed it for the shift change. So they then extend the same. Now we learn why we had the full conversation. Sorry, my hands. The full conversation about the fire at the glass factory mm-hmm. and what they did because they take that same tube and make a vacuum from the rover to the air pod, which Jazz then attaches via welding to the outside of the smelter. Bubble. The bubble. We have a little bubble that the smelter is in. <laughs> yep. And she then has to make two additional cuts into the wall. And she runs into some issue when she cuts through the outer because the gravel that's inside pours out, gets gunk all in her eyes mm-hmm. and in her face. She manages to fix that. And then she gets the inner um, layer cut. She also gets static shock quite a few times, too, because there's yeah. a zero humidity in that one. <laughs> There was that was a portion where I didn't like the character writing. She says like our impromptu wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. Like why? But in any case, so she manages to set off the alarm right on time, just as the shift change is occurring and the train is docked at the smelter's bubble. Mm-hmm. So everybody, or what she thinks is everybody, evacuates onto the train at the sound of the alarm. Which is just excellent because I can tell you just from experience, too, that if there's any alarm whatsoever, people will always go to the exit that they came in at instead of the nearest fire exit. Mm-hmm. They could be, like, literally an aisle away from the fire exit and they will walk across the freaking store to get to the main exit. Like, yep. I love don't people and how they work. Just know where your fire exits are always. <laughs> so. This has been Fire Safety 101 with Jessica. <laughs> So she then gets into the smelter's bubble and begins the process of heating up the smelter to collapse and combustion. As she is finalizing what's going on, she realizes that Sanchez, who is the head scientist of the smelter, up to her eyeballs in Brazilian... uh, cartel is still inside because she's gonna fix it (laughs) yeah like this doesn't make any sense what's going on like what no it's gonna go no i made it not to go no i literally welded a box over it it's it's gonna blow (laughs) like she she says that and then she says i'll fix it yeah and then they're like oh look at it yeah Yeah. look at it oh we gotta go (laughs) and she goes we gotta go And so they rush back out. They manage to get back in the rover, but they cannot get the tube detached fast enough. Mm -hmm. So then they attempt this ridiculous launch over a sharp rock, hoping to cut the, um, well, uh, hoping to cut the the tube. Yeah. And so... Then the explosion happens, which mm-hmm. is felt underground, which both Jazz and Sanchez are like, yeah, no, that's 
That's, that's real bad. Loud. That's bad. Yeah. That's real. That is really loud because we're in a vacuum. So like that's that's really loud. Yeah. And then they come to find out. So they're on their way back. Sanchez is pissed because they just blew up her smelter. Like, what the hell? I wish I had more Sanchez, though. I will say that. I was really enjoying Sanchez. Was the character written well in just the book? Because I feel like Rosario Dawson in the audiobook made that character not not great. Not great. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I liked how she basically is like a different version of jazz. Like mm-hmm. she, she's like yeah. a counterpoint of jazz, but like, I, just, like, I don't know why it's like you blew up my swelter. Just like I did yeah. hate though. The stupid, like I'm too, what was it? The line, like I'm too gay to enjoy this cat fight. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was obnoxious. I was like, yeah. oh. There was it was bookmarked by good lines in other parts right before that. Like after after that part, she says, "Like um, your suit's too small. Don't stretch my suit. I'll shit in your suit." <laughs> just like, I think it was that line where I was like, "I kind of like this." I'm just kind yeah. of like, "I don't give a shit about you." Well, and like Sanchez is well written as not all bad guys are evil mm-hmm. yeah. because she still very clearly cares about her workers. She still very clearly cares about the people who are her neighbors on Artemis, mm-hmm. even though she definitely is part of the problem and would become an even bigger part of the problem. If given the opportunity, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. there is still a sense of community for her that she definitely adheres to. Yeah. So they are driving back to the pickup point for to get in with Bob. Why is everybody passed out? And <laughs> the train is stuck. And they finally can't get a hold of anybody. She can't get a hold of her dad. She can't get her uh, get a hold of Savo, Savo, the Hungarian. Yep. She couldn't get a hold of Bob. And so they peek above the windows in the train and everybody is passed out. And at first they think they're dead. Yeah. One person had like a, like a puddle of vomit next to them. Yeah. And finally they recognize that, nope, they're still breathing. They're all just knocked out. Yeah. And so then it becomes a calculation of, oh, God, what just happened? And the conclusion, thanks to Sanchez actually being a scientist, because I'm pretty sure if it was just Jazz and Dale, everybody would be dead. Like, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. No, conclusion is gonna- we just chloroformed an entire city of people. <laughs> yeah. A, a, plus, a plus B equals chloroform. <laughs> yep. And the conclusion is the extra chemicals in the smelter created chloroform and Jazz's weld of the air. Uh, the tunnel thing, the improvised the tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. Tunnel. It was because too strong. Jazz welded it so well. The explosion had nowhere else to go, but through the oxygen lines back to Artemis. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Properly vent your explosions. And (laughs) 
Artemis apparently did not have fail safes or alarms for chloroform. Because who thinks? And any anytime you think of chloroform, you just think, yeah, when someone's just a rag to your face, that's all you think. You don't think, oh, you, it's an actual gas. <laughs> so then they determine they need to get in, get to the main life supply terminal to get the chloroform removed and new oxygen pumped in before everybody dies. And Sanchez basically says, we got about an hour. Like, that's the max. Well, like, we, we had an hour. We had an hour. <laughs> we had an hour from the point. And so Jazz gets selected to go in to try and get this handled. And when she first goes in, she almost chloroforms herself. <laughs> yeah, and successfully does it, too. Yeah. The other two. Um, and she then gets fully in, gets a mask on, and heads for Andy, the police officer. Andy, right? No. No. The, the, the police officer. That's fine. Police officer. Jessica, look up the name while I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should have done another character chart. <laughs> uh, so she goes to the police officer because she needs his gizmodo. He can get into anywhere. So she figures this gives him the key. Rudy. 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 <laughs> name. Okay. She needs Rudy's gizmodo. She goes in and she immediately knows that something's off, but she's not sure what. And then all of a sudden, Lefty comes out of nowhere and tries to kill her with a pipe. Yeah. It's a lead pipe in the conservatory. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it was a leap in logic. Or not, but... There you go. So she fights with Lefty and fights with Lefty and she gets the better of him because moon gravity and yeah, manages, manages, <laughs> yeah, and manages to chloroform him. Uh huh. And she then handcuffs him and debates killing him, decides not to, moves on. So she then gets to the main life support terminal and she doesn't know what any of the anything says because it's all in, I think, Vietnamese. Something like that. It, it's something not English, but. But she can tell based on the dials and where everybody was reaching when they passed out. <laughs> was it, she said it was like in alphabetical or order. Of some yeah, sort? Something like that. So she starts turning knobs and she releases the oxygen. There's just one problem. Life support didn't have reserve oxygen or at least not a sufficient amount to flush the system. Yeah, Which, not the I mean, whole it's really just bad planning in general. You should always have enough to flush the system. At, at this point in the book, I was like, okay, we have, our, we have our fix. Let's just go straight to the oxygen that they had stored. Yeah. Like for um, Lena and her dad. Like, that's, that's the fix. That's the fix. But they try other things first for some reason. Yeah. So, they... So, she deter So, she then needs to exit because she determines we need to go to Lena's stockpile. T-Dog's stockpile of oxygen. Yep. So she grabs one of the hamster balls 
and gets herself into a hamster ball mm-hmm. and meets Dale and Sanchez over by where the air tanks are. Yep. And she deflates the ball enough that she can grab onto the little handholds and kind of like roll herself over to where they are. And she tries to turn it, turn the levers to release the oxygen, but she can't. Yeah, her and Dale try to. and Dale gives it. it a shot and he can't. And then she realizes that they need leverage. And she realizes they're counting down. They've got, you know, minutes left. They're counting down. And she realizes that she still has the lead pipe that Lefty tried to murder her with. And that can be the leverage. So she sacrifices herself and punctures the hamster ball Mm -hmm. and everything goes black. She then wakes up in the hospital bed to a very grumpy doctor. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily just just go black. She actually does kind of describe what happens to her in in a manner in which one of the real problems with having first person point of view is that you should not be able to describe this when you're actually going through it. But um, yeah, basically, she basically got severe radiation poisoning and just burns on her exposed skin. And then with the vacuum pressure, her eyes kind of started to melt. Like if you ever saw Total Recall, it's like very. Uh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, she started doing that, but at like a lot lower scale. That was very ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But still love that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Very ridiculous. (laughs) But so Jazz wakes up and Rudy kind of fills her in and kind of explains why Doctor is pissed because she chloroformed the entire city and that's very harmful and how dare you do this. And Rudy tries to get her to basically implicate everybody else and she just refuses to. Even though Rudy's like... You mean the Bob's rover that you were using? You mean Dale, who was physically with you? It's like, nope, all coincidence. <laughs> all all coincidence. All sheer coincidence. I don't know. What you talking about, dude? So, come to find out, Dale had basically thrown her over the bubble that they'd come over, and Santa's <laughs> caught her and dragged her into the rover in just the nick of time to keep her from actually dying. Sanchez, and that's the last you hear from Sanchez, and I was very upset. <laughs> I mean, we, the last you hear from her, but then uh, Lena says she's going to keep her on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. But still, I kind of wanted one, like one more scene between Jazz and Sanchez. <laughs> just one more, like I don't want you to die, but I still fucking hate you. Like, just what? <laughs> when the movie happens, there the, they'll be like in the bar together or something at the end. Yeah. I guarantee. Yeah. Like, just, just, just that. There will definitely be something. Yeah. So. Jazz, so then Jazz sees her dad, and she sees S. Bobo. S. Bobo. I don't know. S. Bobo. And S. Bobo wants to give her a hug, and he's so excited, and he's thrilled about what, you know, like, I got chloroformed. He really gets excited about things. In any case. I don't I don't blame him because I got really excited when I had my first surgery ever and I was gonna go under anesthesia. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna go under anesthesia. Like I'm gonna try to stay up. Like 
was like trying to remember how it felt because I was like, I'm going to be able to write about this later. And it turns out there's a reason it's like four lines in every book. I know. It's true. You're like, whoa. I literally woke up and I was like, whoa, I'm okay. <laughs> like, this was great. Having been somebody who did not properly fully go under, not a pleasant experience. Oh, no. Not a pleasant experience. But in any case. So she refuses to implicate anybody and she heads up to the administrator once she's mostly recovered and the administrator lets her know we're going to deport you to Saudi Arabia with no further criminal charges. And she's like, no, you're not. But you won't. (laughs) But you won't. Here's my signed confession. You're going to keep it in your drawer. Because you'll notice that we don't have any hard drugs. We don't have any guns. Other than yours. (laughs) Other than yours. We don't have anything extremely flammable. Like we got, we've got contraband, but nothing, nothing ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We have none of those things. You want to know why we have none of those things? Because I run the crime syndicate here and I keep it very clean. And the administrator eventually reneges and says, all right, fine, you win. But if anybody beats you out, I'm holding you personally responsible. So, like, you better keep a tight lid on these things. And I'm going to take the rest of the money from you. Because Jazz had spent the 426,000 slugs. Papa money. The papa yeah. money to get dad his that new lab. Time. And she still had a little over half a million dollars. I assume she paid Bob Lewis back, but who knows? <clears throat> and the administrator says, no, well, I have to take the rest of that from you because yeah. I have to be able to show investors that we well, take crime seriously. Yeah. Right here. It wasn't quite the rest of it because I think she still said she ended up more than what she started with in the beginning. So... It was so like she, she had like five dollars. No, yeah. I think Instead it was of like, two. No, because she had like twenty thousand in the beginning. So I think she ended up with like thirty thousand. I think when I was looking at it, I was like she still left over with like about thirty thousand. Yeah, which was more than she had in the beginning because she had twenty something thousand, I think, in the or maybe even less than that. Hmm. I could go back and figure it out. In any case, the administrator took most of the money. Um, under the you know, restitution standard. And then she comes to find, and then Jazz comes to find out that Lena has held, has kept Sanchez on to rebuild the smelter. And Jazz is furious. Can't trust her. She's up to her eyeballs in the cartel. And Lena goes, I don't trust her. I need her. She's the only one who can do the job. So going to keep her on. But, doesn't mean I trust her. <laughs> That's an entirely different question. Honestly, though, I I get why she has an issue with her staying around. But at the end of the day, basically, she just kind of facilitated removing all of the issues from Sanchez as a character. Yeah, because now she's not beholden to the other. The like, cartel. She's not beholden to the cartel at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So seems good. I don't know. I think it's probably a good deal for Sanchez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sanchez is pro- or, um, Jazz is probably holding on onto a grudge because I mean 
the cartel did try to kill her twice. It's true. Yeah. Okay, so I did the calculations. She has $36,000 left. So she's got about $10,000 more, 10,000 more slugs than she started with. Yeah, pretty much. So I, she's out even, and she's got a company to invest in. So mm-hmm. yeah, she is going to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but the, the administrator calculated for that because she says, if you choose to retire, <laughs> still going to hold you accountable. So mm-hmm. no retiring. Yeah. No retiring for you. I don't feel and like Jazz is the person to retire anyway. I feel like she will always do smuggling. Like just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the administrator goes into this discussion, which is very accurate. She goes into a description of economics that I was like, this is, this is very accurate, but this is also why people hate economists. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a very bleak, well, yes, now we are about to have a boom, and then next will come welfare reforms and statutory regulations and safety nets and taxes. Mm -hmm. And then we'll collapse and we'll break into smaller economies. Yeah. And then we'll boom and then we'll then we'll do it all over again. We'll do it all over again. And I'm like, yes, that is, that's, that's how the economic life cycle works. Like that's, that's how it happens. But I'm also like, and it's also why people hate economists. (laughs) Because that is how it works. It's just also when you explain it that way, it's sort of like making you not think, oh, yeah, but people's livelihoods <laughs> is connected to the economy. <laughs> like, Sorry? <laughs> There's no perfect economy. This is what happens. There you go. <laughs> so real quick, final thoughts, impressions. How'd we like it? Would we recommend it? Hmm. Go ahead. If, if you liked The Martian, I think read it. Um, if you if you know anything about the Martian and you're put off by something in the Martian, don't read it. Yeah, pretty much. A few. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. It's a Would good. You... It's a okay. good mix of learning things with some entertainment, mm-hmm. which is why I liked the Martian because I learned a lot of things. I wish this. I think with the Martian, like the one difference that I wish I had was the Martian had literally like you'd all of a sudden learn how something was being built like five years ago or something or 10 years ago. And you're like, why am I learning how this one thing was being built? (laughs) And then it comes into play and you don't have that in here. Because that's what I thought was unique about the Martian was it went through like, this is how this one part of the one canopy on the Martian camp was made. Mm -hmm. But they didn't notice this one little flaw. And then the next chapter, you're like, boom, the flaw. I think think we still got that kind of thing, but it was traded for like the traditional kind of idea for that with like bad foreshadowing. Like uh, the whole time, we knew pretty much every single story beat except for the ones that are just not really earned, like Svoboda actually becoming like boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Jazz Bashara. Jazz yeah, we that she likes Fabona as more. Yeah, Fabona when he just gets all excited and he kisses her on the cheek or something, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Come at me, boo!" And just... yeah, oh. But <laughs> with with having read this, do you guys think that you would choose to go and watch the movie uh, whenever it ends up on Netflix? Because none of us are going to theaters. Yes, probably. I don't I, know if I would. I I actually would because I feel like. If it does, well, it kind of depends. Like, I feel like it'd be a good, like, one season show. 
Like, I feel like if you if you had time to really explore the side characters a lot more, it would actually make a good story and a good show. Mm-hmm. Jazz being her jazzy self. I just would say... Just, what word were you going to say first? <laughs> I wasn't. It's just, she's just jazz being her... I don't even know how to... It's just, she's like, she's jazz being her girl written by a male. That's just, <laughs> like, just very hard-strung girl written by a male. Not that a male cannot right women but it just this one felt like yeah that's a guy right yeah. <laughs> um, this one is but, proof that they, like, yeah, it's, like it's in the bad column yeah i feel like like just have a female like a really strong female writer on the screen team like just yeah or like mm-hmm. a lot of female writers you know i know there's more than one female writer you can put more than one on a show like just, just I, I feel like it would need that for jazz and i i feel like this story is great enough that I would want to see it as a show. Like I really would want to see the Artemis moon colony. And especially with every, like every, and I even want to learn more about how it works in Kenya with like, I would like to see what's his face. Some Kevlar, Kevlon, something like that. Kevin, Kevin. No, I don't think it was Kevin. It had an L in it. Cause I was I, like, I, what is I, I feel, name? I don't know what it is. Kelvin. I, that's the one. <laughs> I, I didn't know what his name was, but I could confirm that it was not Kevlar. No, I knew it was a Kevlar, but I knew it was kind of a fancy name, and it was a K and an L, whatever, and a B, and just all those words. We are all very tired. It's true. No, I read that yeah. So, in any case, I'm going to segue, speaking of books turned into movies, I'm going to segue to my next pick. Ooh. Note. So, here's my, here's my little blurb. Uh, so we are going across the pond and joining up with secret agent James Bond for Moonraker. It's my Moonraker. Ended up with different covers of Moonraker. This is the one that I chose to put in the group chat. It's the German cover. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you must have bought the last copy of that one on Amazon, by the way, because to have that cover, it was like a two-week wait. Yeah. So this one is is a good one to jump into because it focuses very heavily on the 1950s fears of the Cold War. Nuclear annihilation, Soviet communism, attacks by rockets, reemergence of Nazism. It's got all of those fun things that a James Bond book has. The um, hits. It's the greatest. It's the greatest hits of the Cold War issues. So, and it will be. We will be wrapping this up the same week that the next 007 movie comes out on November twentieth. So, in three weeks from the release of next, the next when we start this book. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. I did. I did not know about that connection to when we'd be finishing it. Well played. Thank you. <laughs> Some sometimes sometimes there's there's a reasoning to my madness. There's a method to my madness. <laughs> um, plus, I really thought that you know it might be fun to break out of <clears throat> to the spy mystery genre action mm-hmm. genre so 
And my other thought was Ken Follet's Pillars of the Earth, which is, you know, about <laughs> that thick. It's going to be a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the whole show. That's a season of a show. So instead, I just bought I just bought the prequel for myself, and I'm not going to necessarily make you guys read Pillars of the Earth just yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I definitely caveat there. I'll, I'll follow Pillars of the Earth with Dune. <laughs> we have the next four years of podcasts. Awesome. Thank you. Decided. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for joining us in this planning meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but so that is, that's my 30 second pitch. Join us when we get back for, so in two weeks for mm-hmm. Moonraker. Mm-hmm. James by Ian Fleming. Awesome. I'm excited. This will be my first James Bond book ever. It's my first book ever, too. For James Bond. Yeah. Obviously. No, and I actually, I have not read Moonraker. Interesting. I have read, I have read a James, I read um, Dr. No, but I did not read Moonraker. So. Okay. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. I'm hoping this is better. Dr. No was not a great read for me, but I've been told like this is recommended highly on the list in terms of the better James Bond books. Okay. So, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Come, come join us on this adventure. But until next time, Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me as JM Bailey writes on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, if it's still there. And <laughs> and don't forget to check out our Love of Pages Instagram as Love of Pages. Okay. And Stephen, where can people find you? You can find me on my website, www.peppermentgentleman.com. If you want to find me on social media, it has links on the bottom. But look at the pictures first. You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at geekelitemedia.com, our Facebook page, forward slash Geek Elite Media. Until next time, this is the love of pages reminding you to keep turning those pages and always remember to... Geek out! I love the excitement, Stephen. This concludes our broadcast. 